Good morning, church. I've been using that greeting for the last several weeks very intentionally because it is heartening to hear the response of the church in this building. And it reminds us that the church is not this space. It's not this property. It's not these buildings. It is the gathered people of God on a journey together to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And we heard some of that this morning, didn't we? We heard in Dr. Garman's witness to us of the difference the gathered saints make when they gather their resources together and by faith they plant them in places we will never visit, most of us. We will never see but one who has seen comes and tells us what they have seen and gives witness to the faith of God's gathered people to do what God calls them to do. And we do it again next Sunday. These little boxes, we've done this twice a year for more years than I have been alive. Thanks be to God. A lot of change has taken place in the church over the years for good reason, but alabaster offering has stayed remarkably consistent and its impact continues to spread and to grow. And so the church, the voice of the church is expanded in a small little box. The voice of the church is also expanded through the gifts of hospitality. We saw hospitality at work this morning in the reading of the scripture. When one of our very own members of Oasis Special Needs Community here at Paznaz read the scripture to us, my heart was blessed. I had tears in my eyes. It's not an easy thing to stand up there and read the scripture on Sunday morning. Most of you won't do it, we've asked you. <laughs> Oh, no, not me. But she comes to us with a heart full of God's grace and mercy and reads the scripture to us. It's hospitality. And not in the way that we might think, because we might think, well, we're hospitable to folks with special needs. No, that's the wrong way to think. They're hospitable to us to be with us, to welcome us into their presence. Thanks be to God. And what I recognize in these two passages of scripture that she read from Romans and from 1 Peter is that hospitality mentioned both in both passages is inextricably tied to how we understand love and how we express love. Because everywhere in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, where hospitality is mentioned, it's connected to that very essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's connected to love. And in the New Testament, it is heavily connected to the gospel message. Remember our working definition of hospitality? Hospitality is welcoming the stranger and the estranged and it gives witness to the incarnation of Christ. 
to the stranger and the estranged. You say, Pastor, why have you included the estranged? I wish I could reveal to you how many people there are in your neighborhoods and communities that for one reason or another have been a part of the church but have left the church and are estranged from the church. And I want to say, come on home. Come on home. Could we be a place of hospitality of such measure of love in which someone could come home without fear, without concern about being received? And I don't just mean those who used to attend Pazanas. I mean those in our communities who have been parts of churches. There is a tremendous depth of spiritual witness in our communities among people that have no connection to a body of Christ. So I intentionally include the word estranged. I want to say, come home. Come on home. In these passages that we read this morning and the connection of hospitality to love, I have two images in my mind from the New Testament. Acts chapter 9, Saul on the road to Damascus where he's going to persecute the church, going to persecute the Christians. And his mission to do so is interrupted by the Holy Spirit of God in such a dramatic way that he is blinded and the voice of Jesus speaks to him and he leaves his intentioned responsibilities and goes to Damascus and goes to the home of a man named Judas and then God sends Ananias to that home. And Ananias, when the Spirit comes to him and directs him, says, oh no, this is the man. This is the man who persecutes and kills believers. And what does Ananias do? Listens to the Holy Spirit and goes. Now if you read farther in Acts chapter 9, after some period of time, and some suggest it's three years during which Saul, now Paul, is discipled, he goes to Jerusalem to join the disciples, and the disciples reject him. They are concerned about his reputation. But a man named Barnabas comes to Paul and says, let me take you. And Barnabas takes Paul to the apostles and advocates for the work Paul had been doing in Damascus, preaching the gospel of Jesus. And they received him and they welcomed him. Barnabas was an agent of hospitality. Judas was an agent of hospitality. Ananias was an agent of hospitality. Because their love for God was so deeply ingrained in the cross 
that to deny hospitality would have been to say no to the Spirit of God. Think about that. To deny hospitality would have been said no to the Spirit of God's direction in their lives. Do I need to make the application for us? The second image I have is from Acts chapter 10. Peter goes on the rooftop to pray, and while food is being prepared for him, he has a vision from God, and it says a sheet came down. Well, that's New Testament language for a projection screen. If you want to say it this way, an LED screen came down, and on that screen was an image. And the voice of God says, take and eat. And Peter says, oh God, I have never eaten anything unclean. And the voice of God says, Peter, what I say is clean is clean. I know that's a curveball for some of us. Because we're not quite sure what to do with when God changes the rules of the game. But it's there in the scripture. And God changed the rules of the game. And Peter is in the rooftop and the screen is raised and goes away. And there's a knock on the door and some men from the house of Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile. Did you pick up that when there's a message from God, then there's a shortly after there's an application opportunity? And the men from Cornelius come and say, we have need of your presence. In the house of Cornelius, the Roman centurion. And so Peter goes with them. Peter's vision from God was an invitation to hospitality. Will you welcome a different group of people Will you welcome a group of people who to this day have been shunned under your system of belief? For I've just changed the belief system. I've just changed rules. And here comes a Gentile. Think about those stories of hospitality. Think about how they can shape our own understanding of hospitality. Let me ask us a question. Is there anything in our understanding of the people of the world that limits our definition of hospitality? We need to revisit some of those limitations. Because oftentimes those limitations are defined by our own comfort. Because when we get uncomfortable, we begin to sort of define our hospitality. 
So let me draw out some principles out of these passages and out of our text this morning. Hospitality, biblical hospitality is story neutral. In other words, by that I mean it doesn't matter what someone's story is in the kingdom of God. God does not care what someone's story is when they start moving toward God. It's story neutral. Someone comes to worship with us and I want to suggest to you their story doesn't matter. It doesn't define our welcome and our hospitality. It's their story, and if they want to tell it, they'll tell it. So let me just say to you, church, don't ask. Your inquiring mind does not need to know. You see, hospitality is story neutral. Biblical hospitality says, whatever your condition in life, whatever your circumstance in life, just come. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. And if they want to tell their story, they'll tell their story. My prayer is that this place looks different. We look pretty homogeneous. You know, my prayer is more body piercings. Some of you all just went, okay, you just reached my definition. More tattoos, more folks with a prison story, more folks. You add whatever you want to the list. But love and hospitality are inextricably connected. And if that's the case in the gospel, then their story doesn't matter. Because God beckons and God calls and God draws and God brings people and says, will you take responsibility for this person and welcoming them just like Ananias and Judas and Barnabas did with Paul? Biblical hospitality is also story sensitive. Susan Maros in her book, Context and Calling talks about how we share stories in the body of Christ. And it's in the sharing of stories in the body of Christ that we see the image of God in each person. And some people have stories of trauma. Some people have stories in which they were taken advantage of by church and church leaders and others. Some people have stories of incredible heartache and pain of abandonment. Some of us have stories we grew up in the church. Other people have stories and they didn't grow up in the church.
in my youth group one time, a young woman whose family were not believers came to me and said, these kids who grew up in the church have no idea how fortunate they are. Because many of us who grew up in the church have probably been fairly sheltered from the realities of the world sometimes. And while biblical hospitality is story neutral, it's also story sensitive. In other words, when someone begins and wants to tell their story, we receive it as God's gift to us because someone has been loved by us enough that they trust us to tell us their story. And it's kept in a holy place and it's held by us in a holy way as gift. Not to be repeated. Not to be gossiped about. But held as sacred. For their story is a story of the work of God in their lives to that point in time. And that work of God is unfinished in them. In the same way that the work of God in our own story is unfinished in us. I probably should ask an exam question at this point this morning. How many of you think that you've been totally completed by God and you're done? There's nothing else for God to do in your life. Anyone? You see, all of us have a story and that story continues. It continues. Think of it this way. Biblical hospitality is visible love. It's visible love. You know, in, in, a, in a church of this size, of this church of this complexity with several different worshiping communities and lots of activity taking place, it's really difficult to know everybody. A few months ago, I introduced two gentlemen to each other who'd both been in this church for 50 years and never met each other until that day. So how do you bridge that? Ask a simple question. Have we met before? No. How long have you been at Paznaz? 50 years, my first day. Don't ask, are you new? Don't do that. Wrong question. If you haven't figured out why it's a wrong question, talk to me afterwards. But think about it. Biblical hospitality is visible love. It is an expression of the gospel of Jesus because it welcomes people in the same way Jesus invited you and welcomed you and gathered you and gathers us together. Thanks be to God. 
Think about it this way. Biblical hospitality is training for heaven. Read Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 21. Heaven will look very, very, very different than Paznaz does on Sunday morning. And there I saw people from every nation, tribe, language go on. There are going to be body piercings in heaven. There will be tattoos in heaven. There will be those who've been in prison in heaven. There will be those who've been addicted and alcoholic in heaven. They'll be there because God in Jesus Christ has redeemed them and they heard the call of God in their life and they came. The question is, will we be hospitable? So here's my idea, and you can reject it if you want. My idea is let's experience heaven now. Let's train for heaven now. Let's ask God to build a church that looks like heaven. So during the course of this sermon, has your definition of hospitality gotten broader or narrower? <laughs> because here we are, right on the edge of saying, Y'all come, if you come, we'll welcome you. You'll be safe here, you'll be cared for here, you'll be advocated for here. Someone advocated for Saul who became Paul and look what happened. You and I will advocate and welcome some folks and we will never know the full extent of God's work in and through them in this lifetime. But trust God, it will happen. It's like the stories Dr. Garman told. Planted a seed of faith out of a little box. And now many thousands and hundreds of thousands of people touched by, cared for by because somebody put a few coins in a box and added it to some other boxes with some coins and dollars and checks in them. There's hope for us, friends. And then finally, Biblical hospitality is an expression of who God is more than who we are. Biblical hospitality is an expression of who God is more than who we are. Biblical hospitality is a call for us to live up in the presence of God in a wonderful way because it embraces the responsibility to be the gospel to people. Can I suggest to you this morning that biblical hospitality are the initial steps of discipling?
people. They are the initial steps of fulfilling the command of Jesus in early Acts when he says, go and make disciples. There's no disciple-making without hospitality. And the greater and the deeper the hospitality is, the greater the opportunities for discipleship are. The greater the opportunities for you to say to someone, would you like to follow Jesus? Don't wait for the preacher to ask that question. By the way, that's heresy. Don't wait for me to ask that question because I want to ask you, why aren't you asking that question? Because to think that unless the preacher asks the question at the end of a service or during a service is the only way people find Christ, that's heresy. And we're ducking our responsibilities. Come and follow me. Come and walk with me. Let's walk with Jesus together. Do you want to follow Jesus? A lot of people would say yes if you invited them to follow Jesus. Now, I know that I've made some of you uncomfortable today. But before you go home and complain that it was the preacher, think about that maybe it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Because here we are. And I would just say, you are wonderfully hospitable. You truly are. But it's time for us to revisit that and to expand it. And so we're going to be doing some things over the next several weeks. Easter Sunday is a great opportunity. Begin to plan now for who you're going to invite on Easter Sunday. Two services, 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., 7 a.m. in the parking lot, semi-sunrise. 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary. Begin to pray now. Who would God encourage you to invite Easter Sunday? And then on the day before Easter Sunday, we're going to do what we're calling a spring festival here on the property. Some of you have been around a while may remember we used to do egg extravaganza, 2,000 eggs. Eggs are too expensive this year. <laughs> Easier for me to ask you to give a check than it is for you to give me a dozen eggs. <laughs> Spring festival. But it's intentional outreach. We expect to have a 1,000 people here on Saturday between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. But we have someone who's a puppeteer, a marionette, with a faith-filled message. We're going to have an illusionist with a faith-filled message. Gentle faith-filled messages. We're not going to ambush people. So we need your help. 
We need lots of folks, bounce houses, all kinds of things going on for children as we're inviting families back to Paznas. So we need your help. So out on the patio today, there's a board where you can sign up to volunteer for shifts. We need folks to help come early set up. We need folks to help come tear down. We need folks in between. We need folks just to walk around and say, hey, glad you're here. Invite you to service tomorrow. Here's our schedule. So sign up, be a part. You'll make some new friends and you'll have the opportunity to be hospitable on April 8th at Spring Festival and make a difference. Folks are already talking about it in the community. They want to be here. Intentional outreach. So here we are in this place for God-shaped, God-formed, God-directed purpose with a calling to be hospitable. Think about it this way, biblical hospitality is life-saving. It's life-giving. And it begins with you and each one of us. Let's stand together. Would you receive this benediction and then we're going to sing the doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. And everyone said, amen.